Welcome to The Third Wheel. This is episode, oh my god, I already forgot, six of The Shadow Rising. And today we are talking about chapters 46 through 52. Uh, I am Tyler, and joining me are... Bjorn. And... Jesse. Wow, you're very energetic. Yeah, I'm an energetic guy. He spent the last couple hours yelling at his siblings while playing video games. Oh, it was great. That's all I heard. He was just screaming their names. (laughs) Well, we had fun. But sadly, it wasn't a Wheel of Time video game, and the only thing I care about now is Wheel of Time. Uh, oh god, I completely forgot that there's supposed to be an intro. Uh, uh, hey, there, we're, um, Bion, you're, uh, Shanchan? How could you? You didn't tell me. Let's move on. I did my best. No, you didn't. You clearly didn't. <laughs> If you think that any of the intros before have been better than that one, then that's giving me too much praise. Because then you're saying that they have, like, value at all. They don't. Anyway. Chapter 46. Veils. The thing I wish I could put on so I didn't have to deal with Bion looking at me. Uh, So Eggie Jr. is in Tanchico, tailing her, one of her little hired kidnappers. The city's getting worse by the minute. She's having a lot of regrets about, yeah. about this this kidnapper she's hired. She should never have paid him. Sort of about the course of her life. Yeah, she's having a lot of regrets. It's, it's almost as if she's about to reform all of her bad worldviews in one chapter. Well, No, no, no. She reforms mostly off-screen. It's only the beginning that's on-screen. Uh, so we cut to Elaine and Nave, who are walking around in extremely obvious disguises. Like, Nanave refuses to wear anything that isn't very pretty silk. Yeah. Um, so something to keep track of during this is that Elaine keeps talking about spitting out her veil and how it's tough to, like, talk with it. And Matt says that because she's a noble, she walks with her nose in the air. <laughs> she literally walks with her nose in the air. It's not like a... Is that what that is? That's what that is. It's not like a, you think you're better than us, so I'm saying you have your nose in the air. It's like she literally walks with her nose up, and that's why she can't talk with the veil, is because it keeps falling into her mouth. Whoa, that's a detail. That's... It's a detail, and I'm really happy. Uh, Did you pick up on that yourself, or did someone tell you? Oh, I read that on the internet. (laughs) Don't worry, guys. I read it on the internet. It's true. Uh, so Elaine and Nanave start getting kidnapped by this dude, or the kidnapper attacks with all of his little kidnappy buddies. And because they're in disguise, what Elaine doesn't do is scream, forward the white lion. <laughs> no, I mean, they're not channeling. They're so in disguise. Yeah. Who could? Yeah. I don't have any words for what she does. So Elaine and Nanave start fighting off the kidnapper and then Iggy Jr. joins in uh, and they all decide to go back to where the women are staying after they fight the men off uh, when they arrive and she again and notice that they channeled yeah because um, it's Elaine that channels right yeah 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 just a little so bit the, re- the reformed racist storyline begins <laughs> uh, also worth noting race doesn't really exist in this series people are only like discriminatory by nationality. Yeah. I mean, that's because the only people that are, like, so obvious are, like, quote-unquote, pure-blooded people. 
or like Aiel, because the Aiel are pure-blooded. But yeah, that's something that they mention is because during the breaking, like you could go to sleep basically in one part of the continent and wake up in another. Uh, all the mixes got, all the races got mixed up. Excuse me. Sounds like a convenient way for Robert Jordan not to have to deal with something he would probably flub. Hmm. Listen, the story isn't about race, so I just didn't include any. Uh, so when they get back to the place that they're staying, it's got a name about flowers or something? The Garden of something petals? Blooming? Something? Whatever. It's a dumb flower. It just seems extremely feminine. Uh, so when they arrive, uh, Julin comes in and says, Hey, I found where the Black Sisters are staying. They're in the- as well as a new hat. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy this fez. <laughs> and so he says, Hey, they're at the Panarch's Palace. And then Tom shows up and he's like, Hey, they're at the Panarch's Palace. And the two men are... Wait, that's that's like... What? Not this chapter. That's a lot later, honey. Is it? Yeah. Because I have it here in my notes. No, this is them. This is when Julian comes in saying that he found an abandoned house they used to be in. Yeah. And he comes like, back like three chapters later saying that they're in the Panarch's Palace because this is a very slow book. Well, yeah. it all happens in this section. So spoilers for this like 20 year old book. Uh, in this chapter, yeah. Julian is like, I found an old house they used to be in. Oh, but guess. there's just crumbs left. Mm, delicious crumbs. Yeah. And then he leaves and again and says, he's your servant? Yes. And the knave snapped, just as Elaine said, no. Yeah. They looked at each other, the knave still frowning. Perhaps he is, in a way. Elaine sighed right on top of the knave's muttered, I suppose he's not at that. Yeah. I see, again and said. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> Also, that's with, some um, good Wonder Squad comedy. The uh, 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 attending lady also like Iggy Junior's like really you let him treat you like that and her talk to you like that. Yeah, uh, her yeah. name is Ravine or something. She likes Whoa. fashion. That's a joke. I don't remember. A uh, Rendra, Rendra. That's Rendra. her name. Ravine is a different character. I know. <laughs> I just remembered it started with an R. Yeah, she's like whoa. You guys aren't vicious bitches. What's happening? And it's like, no, we need to be at a circus for that. <laughs> uh, so, okay, Julian doesn't tell them that the women are at the Panarch's Palace, and then Tom doesn't show up to tell them that the uh, Black Sisters are hiding out in the That's Panarch's so Palace. much later, because also Beldomon comes in for that one. Beldomon do be there in three chapters. By my aged grandmother, that do be Beldomon's music. Uh, after Tom leaves, Eggy Jr. says, I gotta go figure this out. You're not as much of, like, horrible monsters that I'm going to discriminate against as I thought you would be. Bye. Bye. Uh, and then once she's gone, some mysterious woman shows up. Rendra's like, I don't remember her name or anything about her, but she says she's your friend. See, the first time I read this, I definitely thought this was just Lanfear. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> not Lanfear. There's so many Forsaken. There's still like nine or ten of them walking around. This is a different Forsaken. Yeah. It's not Lanfear. Guess what? The number goes back up. It sucks. They respawn. Oh no. Uh, yeah. So, Anyways. So the lady Mugen- shows up. She's talking to uh, Elaine and Nave. 
and the two of them are suddenly very much excited to do whatever this lady says and answer exactly her questions. But uh, the name exactly and the lane totally clowned on. Yeah. Yeah, they are like just immediately have no chance against this person. But, I mean, Elaine manages to keep the fact that she does have some of those fancy, italicized, powerful magic things. Because, <laughs> yeah, that is something. Because uh, the person didn't ask, ask the correct question. Yeah. yeah. It is sort of interesting, because, like, the idea isn't just that she's going to tell the truth. The idea is that she is, like, fawning over her and wants to do things that would make her happy. But she still manages to you know, hide something from her. Yeah. Which is something. Um, yeah, so then the lady... Also, Tyler, how yeah. do we pronounce this lady's name? Uh, There's like three different pronunciations in the audiobook. Hey. Why did the uh, audiobook producers let the two different narrators have different na- pronunciations for names? That's yeah. irresponsible. Hey, I got a better idea. Bion, how do we pronounce this woman's name? Madark Lady. Sure. Sure. Starts with an M. She's a dark lady. My dark lady. My dark lady. Exactly. The audiobooks seem to have landed on <laughs> Mogadian. I. Uh, but I, I prefer Mogadine. I don't know. Yeah. So there's Mogadine. Uh, Mogadian. Mogadian. Um, I don't know. I feel like uh, what's his name? The man. Uh, I feel like he has his own third reading i think his initial read was mogadine well either way anyways uh yes. it's not lanfear it's which not i lanfear. totally thought it was it's the dark lady uh so she says hey none of you you're not gonna remember this talk you just, just met me we had a cup of tea and i was the wrong person so you've forgotten this scene also shows, though, that the various dark people are not, dark evil are not communicating because... Oh, yeah. No, they are not cooperating no, at all. They are so dumb. Like, all 13 of these people, you didn't get the best. You got the ones who just wanted to be on top. So, like, they all hate each other because they can't all be on top. And none of them talk to each other because... The Dark One didn't pick the ones that would defect and also act as a team. I gotta be nameless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, my Dark Lady leaves with assumptions that Aggy and the Nave are full-on Aes Sedai and some other things, when in reality, they're just babies. Yeah. Yeah, they're not all-knowing. They're just shitty people. They're just very dumb. Evil people with a powerful backer. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> um, so, she's gone. The girls can't remember anything about it, but why would they? It was just some lady who didn't find her friend. Uh, so we move on to chapter 47, The Truth of a Viewing. It's a sort of a jam-packed chapter. Yeah, a lot of events occur in this chapter. <laughs> you know, Jordan, you're allowed to spread them out. It doesn't all have to be in the last ten chapters. No, he doesn't know how to pace. Yeah. <sighs> he needs a beta reader. A better beta reader. Listen, this was the 90s. She whatever. shouldn't have married him. She should have made him be better. Well, 
Isn't that what marriage is? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway, Suon. She's hard at work. Yeah, she's hanging out. She's... Re- this was a detail I sort of missed the first time, but she sort of has a throwaway comment about the fact that in her previous meeting with the Hall of the Tower, they had unanimously voted to acknowledge Rand as the Dragon Reborn. Yeah. Which is sort of important. Yeah, it was probably... I mean, the only reason it would be... The Reds would all have to agree, which means Elida was probably like, just say whatever. We're going to take care of her later. Hey, speaking of which, Elida, she's here. She sucks. By unanimous vote, you are no longer Omerlen. Get those Nigerian coffin carrier guys out here. Well, enough people voted that it technically counts. That's another good detail that she mentions. It's like, well, we had enough people there to make the vote. Suan's like, you just intimidated people. <laughs> Sounds like Elida. You mean our beloved Amerlin seat, Elida de Roydon? Uh, I think there's another apostrophe in there. <laughs> yeah, Elida de Avrini. Avrini? Oh, Avrin, Ni, Ah, Royhan. Wow, that's a lot of apostrophes. Yeah, well, there's spaces, too. I'll anyway. put my glasses on so I can actually read. Anyway, she's here. Alida do Avrini, Ah, Royhan. She's very noble. Must have had a long time learning the letters. Yeah. Uh, so Elida's there with enough Aes Sedai to shield Suan, and Suan is informed, you're no longer the Omerlin. I convinced enough people to vote that you're dumb and you stink, and now we're getting rid of you. Yeah, the interesting thing is that um, apparently the official charges was that she and Leonie arranged Mazram Time's escape. Mm-hmm. Which I'm kind of curious how you couch this lie as an accusation when you know it's not true. Does Elida know it's not true? I mean, she would have to be, like, assertive enough about it that I don't know how you phrase accusations in the Hall of the Tower. But, like, at the very least, she doesn't know it for sure. That's fair. Um, Yeah, that's actually a good point. I have no idea. Plot hole. I don't, I don't even know if it's a plot hole. It's just like, I don't know exactly how you would phrase this like thing that you would, the very least, at least you don't know it for sure. At worst, you know it's a lie. Yeah. I, I thought that was a secondary thing she was being accused of. I thought the first thing was like, she was doing like political dealings that she shouldn't have been doing. But like, there's nothing she shouldn't have been doing. She's the Amarlin. Yeah. Like the only thing that she should have been doing is breaking false dragons out. Pretty much everything else is within her purview. Anyway, we'll think on this plot hole. The box of letters has a trap, so they can't get the info. Why do you do this to me? Uh, yeah, so Suan sees... Uh, did we decide on Leonie? I thought we were going with Leanne. It's it's technically Leonie. It is. I'm going with Leanne. I refuse to say Leonie. Plus, Tyler likes the name Leanne for some reason. Nah. eh. Anyway, Leanne is there, and uh, her warder is dead. 
But there's a there's a different character whose name is actually Leanne, L-I-A-N. Whoops. She's one of the wise ones, I think. Oops. Fine. Not it's- that she's very important, but... If you think I was going to put some random wise one's name in my notes, you're mistaken. Amis barely gets in there. Ha, <laughs> barely. Because <laughs> she's always with Bear. Yeah. Uh, so we then cut to Min, who's returning to the tower from shopping. She's getting too into character. Uh, she notices that her, maybe she's just a method actress? Uh, she notices some stuff is kind of weird around the tower, like, hey, where are the guards? Why is there a fire? Not going to think about it. Uh, and then Gawain shows up with, like, a small horde of child soldiers? It's fine. Not children. Like, 16. Yeah. Uh, they were all warders in training. Yeah. He yells, Suan is deposed. This guy is holding the tower. Uh, we gotta go. And Min's very upset that he didn't specify whether he was in support or against Suan. He's definitely against her. Yeah, it turns out Gawain's the dummy. For no real discernible reason. It's just because he's lawful good. Dude, he can't get a straight answer about where his sister is. <laughs> he has to depose the longest-running, strongest institution in the land and cause a rift and eventually a coup. Like, I don't see how it's not obvious. She just had to say where his sister was. My take is just that he's so lawful good, he supports whoever is, like, lawfully the... Yeah. The Omelette. He's... Well, he's dumb, and also he got the, uh, like, Omega-level concussion from Matt, so... Yeah, I also got the idea of he'd just follow whoever was technically legally right, even if it wasn't morally just. Sounds he just admires the lad so much. Yeah. He, well, he also, Galad will, like, at times show the ability to understand that there's, like, a sliver of gray in between the black and the white. <laughs> and Gawain can't. He's like, I gotta find my sister. I know. I'll perform a coup. Uh, so we cut back to Suan, who is down in the cells, thinking about what she's going to do next, and noting that she and Leonie are stilled. And they look like teenagers. Now we get Shin Suan, which is good stuff. <laughs> well, I don't think she's a teenager, but yes, she is younger than she is. I think she's like mid to high 20s. Like from this point onwards, she is like a legit main character POV. Enjoy. That's cool. The fishing metaphors. So many fishing metaphors. Like, the first 200 pages of Fires of Heaven are her. Yeah. Which isn't always good, but... She's gonna make people swim with the fishes. Swim with the silver pike. Feed them to the silver pike. Being trapped in the cells beneath the white tower and stilled is like... Covering yourself in chum and swimming with the (laughs) silver pike. Shark infested waters. Um, side note, I I know you said Min was getting too in character, but it also kind of delved into the gender dynamics and the weird relationship she has with Rand. Um, where she was like, oh, I bet he's just with some girls. Well, I could wear that dress too, and I'd wear the dress all the way down to, wait, what am I doing? Screw him for making me want to wear a dress. Yeah. Yeah. 
And so it was just kind of like, why, why was it there? Like, we know she's a cool girl who's not like all the other girls, which is problematic in its own right. But then to have this just thrown in, like, is it because she's just been playing this role? So now all of a sudden she's thinking about... No, it's because deep down all girls want to wear fancy dresses, even the Naven men. Yeah, dummy. Oh, my apologies. I didn't realize that was all girls wanted. Yeah. It's it, no no no. It's not all that girls want. It's that all girls so all want. All girls it. want it. <laughs> you can have higher priorities, but somewhere on your priority list is being pretty and having a neckline down to somewhere for the man that you love. <sighs> and for that man to look at you and only you. Correct. Unless well, you're in that's a not an option for men. See yeah. now you're getting it. Unless you're in a Men already knows that's not an option. Yeah, she's like, I'm gonna have to share the attention with so many other people. Yeah. Um, Being men is suffering. Sorry, I just wanted to say that section made me very uncomfortable. Yeah. Also, this entire scenario is what men already envisioned and in a few chapters ago. and uh, That's why it's the truth yeah. of reviewing. Yeah, the truth of reviewing and powerful McFish lady who's no longer the powerful fish lady. Powerful McFish lady. Suon? Suon. Yes. Suon. Thank you. That's how you say her name. Suon. Okay. She just disregarded it, being like, well, I can't do anything. And, well, <laughs> what could. a great leader. You didn't do anything, and now you're in some cells. You had so many options. And yet, this was the one you fell upon. Um, so, outside of the cells, uh, Min is making her way to the pair with Laris in tow. She frees the women. And the three of them make their way out of the dungeons because uh, Laris left earlier. She waddled away. Get it? Because she's fat. Gotta remind the reader. Hey, it can be pleasantly plump, but God forbid if you're fat. Don't forget she's fat. Um, so Suwon is resolving during this time to like find something to hold on to so that she doesn't off herself from being stilled. We find out that Leonese is to flirt harder than she's ever flirted before. Yes. Her only goal in life is to flirt with as many men as possible. But uh, Suwon's is to help Rand. Beyond's choosing to not respond. Uh, so once they make it topside, they run into Gawain, who is both upset and also dumb. Yep. And Suwon shows that she can lie now. Yeah. And immediately makes use of it. Yeah, she immediately makes up, like, four lies on top of each other. So Min convinces Gawain to help them escape, and the women get on their horses as Gawain leads them out. Uh, once they are, like, actually properly leaving uh, and away from Gawain, they run into Loghain, and Suwon convinces him to come along to help punish Elida and the Red Aja. This is like Wonder Squad 3.0, but no channeling allowed. <laughs> yeah. That's actually one of the cooler traveling groups in the series. I like that there's a lot of page count of this group in the next book. Mm-hmm. When when he said said those words, when the false dragon said that Suon was going to be his lady something something, mm-hmm. is, is that him vowing... To her in some sort of way that is specifically important with capital letters no. in this? Okay. And also he can't do that. Okay. Because uh, he's... I mean, 
he can. He's not bound by, like, the thing that he says has to be true. Okay. Yeah. He's gentled, and he also was never Aes Sedai. Yeah. Uh, the people in this group seem to think very little of, like, I swear an oath on everything that I will do X, and then being like, those are just words. That'll come up later. Anybody can just say words. Okay. Uh, so chapter 48, an offer refused. Guess what? I have one bullet point for this chapter. What, that Avienda is in Rand's sex dreams now? <sighs> um, that's my one note for the chapter. I think that's chapter 49. Nope, I have it here. Uh, well, it's explicitly in chapter 49. We see it happen, but there's a line in 48 where it says, Now Avienda had started creeping into his dreams, as oh. if Min and Elaine were not bad enough. Got it. So the triangle is now complete. Um, yeah, it's mostly just, like, Rand doesn't understand anything about Aeel, and Kadir is evil. Yeah, there's a lot of Aeel details in this set of chapters that are kind of interesting. I think, um, when I was, in addition to reading the chapters, reading the, uh, abbreviated notes from the Tar Valon library thing, the chapter summaries... Um, one of the bullet points they made about this chapter was um, Rand making a comment about what he would not be willing to pay in regards to Kader being evil and offering information, I think. So, um, yeah, the other thing that he talks to Kadir about during this is like, no, there are not like there are some things that you can't just say, oopsie daisies, I repent and fix. I don't remember the context of this conversation. Well, because uh, Kader's like, hey, I have some info for you, but, you know. Oh, yeah, he's, like, trying to sell some information. It's not free, we'll, you know. We'll, we'll know what this information is by the end of the book. Yeah. But uh, he wants immunity for his crimes in exchange. It rhymes with X is Y. <laughs> Someone is not who they say they are. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, what else that, that I recall on this? Um, is this the one where Matt's trying to get with the milky soft girl? <laughs> who, Boy. Who Avienda does not like because she's too soft and uh, Rand should only think of Elaine. Yeah, Isendre. I chose to not include any notes about her or her plus Matt. <laughs> well, it's just Matt yeah. trying to impress a girl. I mean, Matt's just a dumbhead. I mean, yes, it's Matt. The the phrase is woolhead. Well, that's kind of a running through line. Uh, but anyway, chapter 49, Cold Rocks Hold. Uh, the characters have arrived at the Cold Rocks Hold, uh, but Rant is like, there's nothing here. Uh, so Ruark leads them down, and it's basically this, like, giant canyon. Where you can get some shade. Yeah. These rocks, they're so cold. Uh, Matt is, like, muttering about the ability to hold it against invasions. And then we get some Aeel greetings, yeah. which are... Some very loaded political Aeel greetings. Yeah, it's pretty good. And yeah, it's actually kind of interesting. Yeah, it really is. And then uh, Rand Tavarns his way in there. Yeah, so, like, we see four different greetings total. 
Mm. We see Ruark doing his, and his is very simple because he's going to get in no matter what because he's talking to his wife. Mm -hmm. And then we see a less important person, someone who isn't a chief. Trying to use the chief's way. Well, there's a different one before that. We have a chief, which is Ruark, and then we have a non-chief someone who isn't Kooladin, mm-hmm. do a different greeting. And then Kooladin comes in and uses the chief's greeting, even though he isn't a chief. And then she greets and, him like he's a beggar. Yeah, which is like a big burn, because she like managed to diss him without dissing his clan. And then Rand accidentally uses the greeting that is used for non-chiefs, which is a Tavarin thing, but because she likes how modest he is. Didn't he... he- he knew that he was supposed to use the same one that Ruark did, but then he was like, nah. Well, no, yeah, he, like, he forgets. He, he says he, yeah, like, he when he gets up there. he literally did it on accident okay. because of Tavarin. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of stuff going on, but it all feels, like, pretty believable and actually, like, kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I found this little section of them entering uh, really cool. Um, so they enter the... Um, town i guess the hold the hold they enter the hold um and they sit down to eat and uh beyond did you have any feelings on them eating it sounded really tasty i wanted yeah, to it eat sounded it sounded like barbecue like cornbread and stew yeah it sounded really kind of indigenous uh southwestern america style mm-hmm. yeah plus you get to eat while laying on your belly on a pillow yeah it sounds comfy yeah you're like laying on a pillow having a little cuddle puddle with the people next to you that seemed more like roman lounging but like the the actual location where they're living within the canyons and um the corn based and then a lot of the um drier uh yeah i I like rand's bit where he's like i've been a farmer for too long not to be curious about all this stuff they're growing yeah like agriculturally wise it's very cool so yes i i did like this part so congratulations i i enjoyed reading this part it had food it talked a lot or hinted a lot about their lifestyle which i liked good yeah like speaking of that like with all the like ideal complexity we got this like one scene where matt tries to flirt with a guy shane and we get like six different factions reaction to how that all plays out and it all makes sense and is all very meaningful and it's like whoa there's so much going on with the aiel this is one of those chapters that jordan was like what if i did it good (laughs) we could have had it all we could have had nice things oh my god imagine if all of the books like everything in the books were as good as this scene then I'd like the Like, books. this whole chapter is good. What if it was all this good? This is a good amount of detail. This is the detail you actually want when you're shaping your story. Not yeah, that it, grass It all feels a- important. It all... F- or not even important. Like, it feels good. I don't know. This is just a good chapter. Oh, my God. It, it paints enough of a picture that you know what you're thinking and envisioning, but it's not so much that you're like, yep, I could write a whole paper about the grass quantity. Like... It's the the level of importance placed into things makes sense for Good a reader, you, Robert Jordan. not just whatever Robert Jordan imagined, but like as the reader, it's something that you can accept as, yes, this makes sense. This is important. I'll keep this in mind. I wonder how this ties into this. What does this mean? It, it has 
that ability. You, you, you can flow with this chapter. The vibe of the chapter is good. Yeah. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I felt it too. Uh, so after the meal, there's talk of some inter-clan politics as far as like, well, dealing with this guy is tough. He's going to try and get here as quick as possible because of X. And... It'd be rude to start without him. Yeah. I also find it interesting. And then Moraine pisses off Rand and he goes for a walk. Yeah. Um, yeah, she tries to do the, like, what's your plan going forward? He's like, my plan is to walk out of this door. Bye. Uh, so he walks out of the door and straight into chapter 50, Traps. Uh, Rand takes a walk around Cold Rock's Hold. He's seeing the Aeol people living their lives. Uh, he dismisses the connection between... Like, the exact outfit that Egwene was wearing and, like, the identical outfits on the children. It means nothing. It means nothing. Uh, She probably did it by accident, and she only stopped when they told her what was actually going on. Yeah. Um, And then he accidentally uses an entire warrior clan as wingwomen. Yeah. He gets a gift for Avienda, and then when he tells the maidens about it, they are, like, sick. Do it. (laughs) You will not dishonor her. Uh, So once he makes it back to the Wise Ones, uh, they and Rand come to an agreement to keep Avienda around, because then at least he knows who's spying on him. Uh, And as he falls asleep, there's some really good stream of conscience. You missed the part where he tried to give the gift to Avienda, and she was like, oh my god. Well, she took it. She's just like, you're so, so dumb. And she apologizes, but Rand doesn't believe the apology's real. And that's when he kind of does the whole, I know Avienda's your spy to the wise wise ladies. Wow. I really did skip but it, that. But it turns out it was a real apology because they didn't tell her to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, development. Yeah. Also, before he goes to sleep, he has a conversation with Moraine. And she's, like, trying to get him to open up to her. And he's trying to get her to make an unambiguous promise that say plainly that whatever I tell you, you won't try to stop me, won't hinder me in any way. Say you won't try to use me for the tower's ends. And of course she like hedges, but I'm sort of curious about Aes Sedai and telling the truth about the future. Like she's not allowed to lie, but if you say you won't do something, is there anything in the future that stops you from doing the thing that you said you wouldn't do? That's a good question. I would have to imagine so. Does your power we, just not work? Like, can you not connect to the power in that moment? No, because... Like, it, we haven't heard anything about that. And it doesn't, like, require you to be channeling to not be able to lie. Like, it's... Yeah. Like, in Pact, if you lie, you lose all your magic powers. Yeah. But in this, I don't... I haven't seen anything about consequences of saying you will do something and then not doing that thing. That's true. I guess I just assumed that it would mess with your ability to connect to the power because that makes sense to me. You lie, your magic's revoked. This happens, this happens, but... Yeah, but we haven't heard anything about that. No, they just, like... It uh, it happens in New Spring. You get to see what it is. Um, What is it, then? (laughs) Well, no. No, no, no. I'm saying, like, from the point of view of someone who has just taken the oath and then tries to immediately lie to see what happens... 
And she just like. But I mean, it seems to only matter in the present. Like if you try and lie, your mouth tastes like soap and you can't say what you're going to say. Yeah. But like if you say something about your intentions that are true in the moment and then your intentions later change, can you then just do something that you said you wouldn't do? That's a good question. You might just not be allowed to say, I mean, it might just restrict your ability to say it in the first place. Well, it probably makes you hedge, like to say, I will never do something or I will not do something. Just because you say you will not do something does not mean you will never do it. Because I mean, just a small thing at the end of book six is a pretty important thing that I say they'll do. Yeah. And then they treat it like they have to. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know that it's ever shown, like, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, Robin I Jordan just, like, couldn't have committed a couple paragraphs to this. No. <laughs> I'll miss this thousands and thousands of pages. Leon, we had to hear about how low Min's neckline is going to be to get Rand to look at her. <laughs> There's no time to discuss the implications of a thing that makes you tell the truth in the future because gender is much more important to an analyze one moment dramatic cough <coughs> so this was just the stuff that was coming up to me because i've been listening to crown of swords for like the last week and also getting ahead of yourself this huh? section i mean the initial idea of this podcast was that i would stay ahead of our read that's true so he could have the more slightly more rounded perspective than mine yeah you know, yeah, we've what? stopped introducing ourselves at the beginning of episodes, but that's still the idea. You know what? I completely forgot that Crown of Swords and Way of Kings were different books. <laughs> no, I was talking about, you know, book seven of The Wheel of Time, not book one of the Stormlight Archive. So in Rand's dream, he's swimming back home. Now we get to see that Avienda is there. <laughs> so In his sex dreams. Yeah. That Lanfear's upset about. Yeah. So Min and Elaine are there. Uh, and then Avienda's behind him, and he's offering to teach her how to swim. How generous. Uh, and then Lanfear appears. I thought she wasn't naked. So Lanfear is wearing clothes, and then she dismisses the other women from his dream, and then she teleports into the water. Her hair is not wet. Her hair is not wet. She's got an invisible swim cap. <laughs> And the thing Avienda says from behind him before he's like, I'll teach you how to swim, yeah. is that you don't know who to love or you don't know mm-hmm. something like that. It's true. Maybe he should love Lanfear. <laughs> uh, so they struggle in the water after a moment and uh, then some random guy shows up. He looks like a cloud of darkness. Yeah. He's like... Lanfear, what are you doing? And she teleports back to shore wearing clothes. And then Rand wakes up. Uh, so once he's awake, he goes, he uh, finds that Avienda is, all, excuse me, already in his room. And he almost kills her. Yeah, don't worry about that. Uh, so once they leave to go to the common area, there's a drug car, which Rand destroys with fire before telling Avienda to rouse everyone else in case there's more. I skipped over this entire fight in my notes. Yeah, there's. it's not the most interesting thing in the world. I mean, I think the text also skips over it for most of it. Oh, 
also true. Yeah. Um, it's just the, the, the ideal, like, even the people who aren't explicitly the maidens, uh, and including the women, are, like, arming up and ready to fight to defend. Yeah. Also, yeah. there there's a point of view change to Matt, where he kills some Trollocs and gets complimented by one of the maidens... And then he spouts some war-based tactician knowledge and his justification to the spear lady is, I read a book, Matt, reading books. Um, I know what the, I know what's inside a book. And then uh, he, Matt goes to the uh, soft milk girl and. Please don't say that. So milk. Please no. Um, and says, hey, the Trollocs are gone. I took care of them. And she slams the door on him, basically. And yeah, he, then he's pouty. Yeah, he gets shut down. And then we switch back to uh, Rand. And they're like, yeah, uh, that guy who tried to go buff a station and call himself a chief and his people are gone. Good Kool-a-din. luck. Kooladin isn't very cool. Kooladin is not cool. <laughs> he's the worst. I'm Kooladin. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so uh, Rand is told that Uncooladin took all the shine. Oh, it sounds really good in a sentence. (laughs) Uh, He took all the shino and they left. Weird, but okay. Uh, Rand decides that they're not waiting a month before leaving to go to Alkerdal. They're just leaving in the morning. Uh, So chapter 51... Revelations in Tanchico. Revelations? Revelations. Revelations. I've read that word before. I know how it's pronounced. It was a joke. Wait. Oh, okay. <laughs> what? Yeah. I mean, for a second, I thought you weren't joking. No. Whatever. Anyways, they're trying to eat with chopsticks and they can't. Yeah. Which is so ridiculous. It's not that hard. Just watch the first few episodes of Naruto. There's a lot of ramen eating in there. <laughs> Boruto's dad had another son. Oh no. I'm sorry. It's really good though. Um, yeah, anyway, this food also sounded really tasty. Yeah. There were like, like 30 tiny bowls. Yeah. I love tiny bowls. What if you had <laughs> tiny individualized bowls on a lazy Susan? Anyways, Bail Domon shows up. <laughs> the book is saved. Uh, yeah, the only thing to note is that the. Girls and Aegy Jr. is also there. Uh, and they're all friends. Not only are they all friends, but it's also been a week since the last time we saw them, so I'm inferring that it's been six days that they've been trying with these chopsticks. Because <laughs> I think Elaine says she's going to starve to death. Uh, yeah, so Bail Domon do be entering the room, and... He, he literally uses the aged mother yeah. line in this chapter. I love the Ilianisms. Uh, so he says, I found the Black Sisters. Was that late enough in the story? or? Yeah, it is. He's like, hey, I found that palace that Tyler referenced in the first part of this podcast. Yeah. yeah the joke in this chapter is that all three of the men come in at different times with the same information. You're right. And I'm all just, so excited. I just thought that was earlier, but you're totally right. That is the joke here. And it's a it's a good joke. And each of the them that comes in next disregards the previous dudes. Mm-hmm. Like, Bail Dolman comes in and he's like, yeah. And then, like, Julian comes in and he's like, um, excuse me, I found this. And then Tom comes in and he's like, why are you listening to those users? This is what I found. All the Twirls while, my mustache. Like, all the while, Aguianen is, like, being 
headlocked into the ground. Yeah, because Bail Domo uh, do be coming off the top rope. You! And then she goes to punch him, which is just a very suddenly action thing. Yeah. Like, it's just some... I, I wanted to say white ladies just because how bad they're failing at the chopsticks. Three ambiguously raced, but probably white because this is Robert Jordan in the 90s. But I mean, also they said that the chopsticks are Domani, not like Borderlander things. And Domani are supposed to be sort of like willowy, Middle Eastern-ish. Although I could see it going the other way. And if you made it a Borderlander thing, you would almost be saying like, oh, so the Asian people still use chopsticks? Is this like a race thing? (laughs) I mean, it's Robert Jordan. We already said, he doesn't talk about race. He just stumbles all around it and cherry picks the parts he wants, like delicious sounding food. Um, but yeah, like it's it's kind of funny because they're just like like talking, like having lunch. And then Beldomon comes in and and then they just go for it. And um, yeah. yeah, then Aggie Jr. And- is just is like. She's revealed to be a Sean John, and the knave calls her an egg-eating snake. <laughs> so, and then in this chapter, we all learn to be a little re- less racist. I was just watching a video about being less racist. Uh, yeah. Sean John, but I like her. <laughs> what? I mean, considering how awful the Sean John are, though. They are pretty awful. They're real bad. Like, if I found out that somebody I was hanging out with and sharing food with was a fascist Nazi, I would be very upset. Not just fascist Nazi, but, like, fascist you enslaved my friend slash younger sister figure slash, like, you live in Naziville. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be very displeased. So, I mean, they're pretty controlled for this. I would do much more punching. But I mean, Aginan's one of the good ones. She let go of that soul dam last night. Yeah. Don't but worry. She released this person. She only kept enslaved for a few weeks. They they didn't tell... She, she didn't tell them about releasing until they've caught her. But she did it before. Yeah. So, like, the act was done before she was caught. Yeah. Well, point So is, it's not like... It's not like she totally loses out on points for that, but still. Yeah. Uh, point is, they are all told to, like, hey, the men are going to sit down and explain stuff. And so they all just sit down and, uh, like, they're sitting, the women are sitting at the table. I don't remember if the men sit down, but. Uh, they, they try to get them to sit down. Because Elaine says something to Tom about being... Oh, either Elaine or Anonave is like, Tom, sit down. Yeah. Um, I do remember that. Because he's being ridiculous. Yeah. What it all boils down to is that uh, Amathira and the Black Sisters are confirmed to be in the Panarch's Palace. um, And they're trying to figure out why that would be the case. Yeah. So the women eventually go to bed... Um, Nanave decides to go into Tarantula to consult with Iggy Sr., and Elaine is left behind to watch over Iggy Jr. Oh, who she's bound with. Bound, magic. but like, definitely not gonna leave her like that. Yeah. I can't believe Nanave thought Elaine would just 
not do that. You should know better by now. Uh, so chapter 52, Need. It's how you find the stuff you need. Yeah. Uh, so Elaine thinks about Eggy Jr. for a while, and then Eggy Sr. and some wise ones arrive uh, in Teleran Riyadh to share info about what's going on. And the neighbor's still so angry, she's dressed in, like, battle clothes. Yeah. Um, also cool note that uh, Egwene is being trained to sleep in the saddle. Uh, if she needs to, so that she can uh, head into Teleran Riyadh during the day. I need this training. <laughs> she seeks to go beyond her limits. Just some casual meditation while on a horse. Yeah. Um, so they tell Nenev about this way to find what she's looking for, which is if you just concentrate on the feeling of need, Teleran Riyadh will take you where the thing that you need is. They do this Sounds after useful. they shame her for being childlike and transforming her outfit to that of, of an Aiel girl, and her anger letting her go back to her plain, good, two rivers woolens. And then she finally convinces them that she has this super need, and that's when they give her the spell. Yeah, the wise ones are trifling. Yeah. This is... Average wise one behavior, sadly. So they're definitely ones. Yeah. So after the wise ones leave, um, Nenev concentrates on her need. Uh, she gets teleported into the Panarch's palace and sees Amethyr basically being tortured. She leaves very quickly, and then she finds uh, she sees somebody that ends up being Madark Lady. Uh, but we don't know that yet. Just in a gallery. Yeah. Uh, well, she's in a different part of the Panarch's Palace. She's in the, like, museum portion. And she gets so mad just looking at the back of Madark Lady that the memories from her compulsion come back to her. She just powers right through that magic. And that makes her even madder. Yeah. Uh, so Mogadine leaves, and Nenev has a talk with Brigitte, who shows up. To give us more exposition about how the uh, Heroes of the Horn work and who Mogadine is in the in this museum portion of the palace, uh, Nenev's find Nenev finds a seal of the Dark One's prison and also the male Adam. It's all black and spiky. Yeah, uh, and then she's awoken by Elaine. So after sharing with Elaine and Eggie Jr. everything that she's learned, uh, that Inquisitor dude from Shanchan tries to get in and kill Aguianen. Uh, but luckily there are men outside to stop the big strong man. Yeah, big strong hairy men. I feel like Nave emphasizes three different times the big hairy men yeah. in, in this chapter. Also, you in when when she's in Tarantula uh, Brigitte's like, you know, I'm really not, not supposed to be talking to you. And then, like, some other hero dude that's, like, Brigitte's soulmate or whatever is like, yeah, Brigitte, why are you doing this? Yeah. I mean, she's really not supposed to. No. I think I mentioned back during the first book that, like, enough stuff happens around Egwene and Ave that they have to be Tavarin. It's just likely significantly less. Or, I mean, in the sense that, like, it seems crazy that so much stuff would happen near to them and not have it also be them 
Not that, like, Jordan intended it and then just never showed it on screen. Uh, Point is. So, after... Oh, I said the Inquisitor dude is there, and uh, the hairy men stop them. There's a bit of hijinks with people in linen shifts. And then uh, Nenev gathers... So scandalous. Yeah. Uh, Nenev gathers the women to plan how to get into the palace to stop the Black Sisters and Mogadine. It also shows the difference between Sean Sean mentality and that of everyone else, because Iggy Jr.'s like, we gotta slit his throat. He's too dangerous. And everyone else is like, what? Yeah. What do you mean? We're just gonna, like, leave him in the alley and, like, he'll probably get beaten up and have all his stuff stolen, but we're not gonna kill him. Yeah. Them Sean Sean are grimdark. They really are. Well, that's it for this week. Whoa. 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 Uh, but hey, next week we're finishing the book. Next week there's so much that happens. Oh my god. I was skimming through it and, like, I forgot entire subplots. I really hate the pacing of his books. Oh, yeah. Like... There's 80 pages left? Here I go, kill him again. <laughs> I want to like it because Tyler likes this a lot and Jesse, you're also very invested. And a lot of people seem to like this series. So I want to like it, but maybe because I've been so spoiled by the fantasy novels and sci-fi of now the 20th, 21st century in the aughts of the 21st century where it just, it, it, it's... It's not something I can just pass over. Because sometimes when you're reading, you're like, well, that doesn't make sense, but I'll go with it. I'll go with it. I ha- I, I can't go with it with this book. And once I get reading each section, I can continue reading each section because that's what I've said I'll do. But it's so hard to get the energy to go back to reading these books. Well, hopefully, Stormlight... For me, Stormlight feels like a refinement on the Wheel of Time. It feels like it's definitely in the same, has the Wheel of Time in its DNA, but with some more modern sensibilities and Brandon Sanderson's writing. So hopefully that hits the right middle ground for you. Yeah, well, uh, I guess we've said it a couple times, cat's out of the bag, and it's the end of the podcast anyway. Uh... After Shadow Rising, we're going to start also reading Stormlight. Yeah, we're, we're going to be doing alternate. some al- yeah, alternating back and forth as sort of like a palate cleanser yeah. and sort of keep our energy high. Yeah, I was just talking to my brother last week about like, just power through book 10. How many books are in the Stormlight? Uh, the fourth one is coming out in November. There's ten planned. And how many more books do we have to read of The Wheel of Time? Ten after this. Okay. But also Stormlight requires reading at least two other books. Okay. Because I was going to say if we're also going to, if we wanted to read another um, older 20th century fantasy to Tamora Pierce. Oh, I thought you were going to say, wait, is it, aren't the Tamora Pierce books like 800 of them? No, we could just pick a series of them, and she has some sort of ones, but she's... Hey, I remember when we were kids, we did a book report together. Yeah, and I I, I really liked her stories, but I've read some more modern stuff, and they said that some of the things she had hasn't necessarily aged well, and so I was just wondering if we want to go with the like late 20th century fantasy groundbreaking 
um, changed how things are read and written for young readers, that might be something interesting to do. Because, at least for myself, I really liked reading Tamora Pierce when I was younger. Well, it might be worth looking at. Maybe. That discussion is also, like, two years away. Yeah, it's, like, two years away. Because <laughs> it'll take us that long to get through that many of these books to the point where we're, like, we need a new palate cleanser. It was just something I was thinking of, of something, like, 90s, late 20th century style, like, what else was really impactful. Yeah, we can talk about that. But either way. But either way, we're done Either this way, week. this has been the third wheel. This has been <laughs> the third, third wheel. wheel. Uh, yeah, we're going to finish the book next week and then I think take a week off like usual. And then the way of Kings and there's going to be a little flip flopsy on how the hosting works. Prepare yourselves. Yeah. Theoretical listeners. I'm still going to be the third wheelist though. It'll be great. Yeah. All Beyond has to do is show up. Hey, speaking of theoretical listeners, if you want to find us on Twitter, it's at Wheel Reading. I'll have the link in the description as usual. And if you want to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast service, we really love to hear from people and it helps people find the podcast. Yes. So that would be a big move on you, theoretical listener. And we'd really appreciate it. Yeah. It's quarantine. People might actually be listening to us. Um, well, on that note, <laughs> uh, this has been The Third Wheel. I'm Tyler. I'm Bion. And I'm Jesse. And we'll see you next time. Bye.